Welcome to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Each week on this program, Jeff and his guests share their expertise, personal anecdotes, and the latest industry news to keep you in the loop. Now to provide you with insight and help you navigate the consistently changing world of real estate lending, here is your host for The Mortgage Voice, Jeff Barton. Hi, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton. The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton, me, is available upon demand and on the air. Anytime you need to find the latest mortgage information, you can find us immediately on YouTube. We upload the version this show every week. Just search for The Mortgage Voice. You can also listen to the show on demand with your mobile devices via our, any of our podcast partners, Apple, Google, Spreaker, uh, IO Clips, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Plus, we're available on traditional radio, of course, the medium of choice for me. Uh, you can go to all five stations in three different states, including uh, Inland Empire in California, Las Vegas, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and up in Lake Tahoe. I'm Jeff Barton. Thanks for listening to the show. And again, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is our first show of 2022. It's a... Uh, you know, it, it, okay, the mortgage industry is weird, right? So we go through these cycles, which are have nothing to do with the calendar year. We're in a cycle right now, and it may be ending. And one of the reasons I say that is because rates are rising. If anybody is aware of what, where, where the rates are rising to, um, uh, give me a call, because we don't know. There have been prognostications from the Fed, from a number of Fed governors, from certainly a number of economists that talk about three and a half to four percent interest rates by the end of this year. Now, where are we today? Let's talk about it. 3.35 is the 30-year fixed. So if you go to the average of the 30-year fixed today and you add, okay, let's go to four percent, it's really only going to rise another hmm, not a little over a half a point for the rest of the year. So are, are those bad rates? No, they're not. But what that does Couple that with the rising home prices, it prices out millions of people from buying a home. And that is the issue what we're dealing with. However, if that happens and prices fall, that'll be a good thing because more people will be able to then afford the house because prices will come down. All of this being what it is, it's a complex situation when we're talking about mortgage interest rates because they're tied to many, many things. We've been drunk on free money from the Fed. When was the last time this happened? 2008. Remember? We used to have, hmm. So we invaded Iraq in 2001. 2001? And since that time, money was made available and cheap by Alan Greenspan at the Fed. It was to take the focus off of what was happening in the world. And one of the reasons, we had 9-11, we had uh, certainly uh, the dot-com bubble burst. A lot of things went on right then which would have killed a normal economy, but money was made cheap. So that's very similar to what's happening now. I'm not saying the outcome is going to be the same, but there are a lot of parallels to the cheap money, the driving real estate market, the lower interest rates. And, you know, obviously we all know what happened. There's a difference between then and now in terms of what the product is. The product today is a lot better than it was then. But is the debt any different? Worldwide debt in 2008. Daryl, do you know what the worldwide debt was? 
in 2008? Just take a wild guess. Is it as a percentage or is it? No, it's an actual number. You mean in the trillions? Yes, it was. It yeah, was let's say eight. Two hundred eighty-eight trillion dollars <laughs> was the total world debt in 2008. Guess what it is today? A double that. No, it's three hundred trillion. Mm. But the parallels between... So one and a half times. Yes, exactly. I think what's happening today, what happened then, the amount of debt that is out there in the marketplace. Now, what is that debt driven by? And I, I talk about this because it's really going to affect the psychology of the economies of the world if that debt comes a-calling. Now, what do I mean by that? The only reason you have debt is because you have something to borrow against. Okay? Let's, let's go to flash forward today, China Evergrande. What's happening to that com company? They owe some $300 billion in debt. They rang up a bunch of debt over the last 10 years to build housing in China. The largest real estate boom in history. You can't imagine the amount of... Okay, in China, they have 100 cities over a million people. How many in the United States are like that? Maybe 15 to 20 and some of their major cities have 20 million people in it. I think more than one. So this boom in China that has happened, which has driven real estate and the real estate developers to borrow money because the burgeoning middle class, which was built for the last 40 years, 40 years, has caused the demand. So this is a long-term play, long-term plan by the Chinese in order to make their own economy sustain their... Um, uh, they're buying and selling. In the U.S., we do that already, and we've been doing it for generations, i.e., the, the way that people are paid, how much they're paid, really drives demand. Demand dr drives growth, and growth in the U.S. means a higher standard of living. That's really what we measure it by. How much stuff I can shove in the garage measures our standard of living. In China, it's not so different. It's just they're doing it with housing. So Evergrande is $300 billion in debt. Their entire sector is 25% of the economy. So if debt is driven by, in China's case, growth, and that growth stops, what happens to the risk of that debt? Why does that translate? Because in the U.S., it's a similar issue. There's a guy... And his name is uh, Hyman Minsky. Nobody's ever heard of Hyman Minsky unless you're in the biz. So Minsky, here's what he says. He says, th this guy says, prolonged periods of financial market stability, which is what we've had since 2008, tends to set up, set up the conditions for pronounced financial market instability. Because when you have long-term stability, Assets uh, tend to rise. The amount that you think my house is worth today is more than you thought it was worth in 2010 because we've had this long period of stability. Assets rise. Therefore, the amount of money borrowed against those assets, well, obviously that rises too. But when conditions change and the, the valuation and the actual cost you're going to pay for those assets drops. What happens to the world economy? Now, the reason this is of a concern to me is because it is happening hugely in China. And China, 
forget what people tell you, is the largest economy in the world. They are largest economy because of the potential that they have to grow where they are now to where they're going to go. In the U.S., how much are we going to grow, really? Even if it's 2-3% a year. China has the potential because of the population in China and because of the undervalued and underused resources to double the U.S. economy in a very short order. However, if it's done in a way by which they are borrowing against current assets and the assets drop, the debt load will crush them, and that's the concern I have. If that happens, and this is the perverse nature of the way I'm thinking about it, everybody will fly to the U.S. dollar and treasuries. It will sink the treasury to the lowest yield possible and thus driving mortgage interest rates back down. This could all happen this year, too. There are many predictions about where interest rates are. I, I mentioned the 30-year at 3.35 now and where they're supposed to go by the end of the year. But there are so many unknowns out there, and the unknowns are really spread across the world. Guess how much worldwide... Wait a second here. Let me make sure I got this number right. It is insane. Okay. The world... Okay, worldwide debt. Give me a number. The world debt I gave you, $300 trillion, right? Right. Okay. It was 288 in 08. China's debt currently, what's owed in cash value today that needs to be liquid in January is $700 billion, almost a trillion dollars, which means that the liquidity required to maintain U.S. banks has always maintained a certain, it's like the old gold standard. It was on a standard. You had to have that much money in. China is dropping that to continue their growth patterns in order to be able to fund growth, in order to be able to fuel demand, which is dropping heavily. There's a lot going on in the world economy. It's going to affect you in a lot of different ways. Let's get to it. I know, Cuomo's gone, right? I can say that. Let's get after it. Anyway, I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. We'll be right back. Our show here, The Mortgage Voice, is available whenever you need information, even if you need it right away. To fit your busy schedule, of course, we make it easy to watch or listen to the show. Find our episodes on, episodes on demand from our website at themortgagevoice.com. We're also on SoundCloud at The Mortgage Voice, and our Mortgage Minutes and Weekly Program also available on YouTube podcast form wherever you need it our podcasts including apple and google podcasts stitcher spreaker podclips.io spotify and more i'm jeff barton this is the mortgage voice thanks for tuning in welcome back everybody i'm jeff barton this is the mortgage voice hey check out our website at themortgagevoice.com there you can find our latest on-demand episodes of the mortgage voice and information about our guests as well this next guest is is awesome and he's on there too Contact information for those guests. You can also read my blog, which will keep you updated with the very latest mortgage news. Check it out. Bookmark us. That's themortgagevoice.com. I'm Jeff Barton, and again, this is The Mortgage Voice. Thanks very much for tuning in. We're on a bunch of radio stations, as I said, and we're on a bunch of uh, podcasts. Uh, but the, mo the favorite thing I do in this show is to interview great and smart people, people who know way more than I do. I try to... Uh, delve into all the economic issues out there, but specifically in different industries, we have to go to the experts. And that guy right now is Oscar Carboni, been on the show before. We're trying to do a real estate pilot show with him as well. Anyway, Oscar, how are you? Um, very well, Jeff. Thank you for having me. 
Fine. Thank you very much. Oscar has a, um, a stock buying school. He is a trader 24-hour. Uh, Oscar, shout out the, the, the place where people can watch you and what you do. So I literally run a 24-hour trading desk. I used to be a trader on the exchange who stood in the pit and screamed and yelled like the days of old. <laughs> and they sent us home in 2006 with computers and told us, you know, no more gathering together. So I've created my own trading pit, and I spend my life there, and I invite everyone who wants to trade to join me. And that's at LiveWithOscar.com. LiveWithOscar.com. Excellent. Thank you very much. Okay, let's delve into it. Economy, what's happening? Uh, Another record day, I guess, here. Uh, But there's something going on which I'm not really quite sure of. What's driving the market, and what are some of the economic forces that may not be on the surface? Of course, we've been in a tremendous bull market, which, of course, has been aided by the Fed and all the money that they've pumped in. Yep. And that's kept this market running for quite some time. And, of course, now we've got inflation due to adding too much money into the system. Right. So when that starts to happen, the Fed, or the FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee, decides to pull triggers, either the raise or lower rates, mop up some liquidity. What's going to happen this year is the Fed is looking to mop up liquidity. In other words, they're going to stop buying bonds, and at some point they're going to raise interest rates. And I think the big question for everyone out there listening is, what happens after the Fed raises rates? Should I buy a house now? Will the stock market crash? I think those are the important things to people. No, you, Jeff? I, you know what? I agree with that 100%. I think I spent a lot of time talking about what's happening in the overall economy and why things are happening the way they do. In the U.S., a little bit different than what they're doing around the world just simply because our inflation is um, intolerable, especially during an election year. Uh, there are also some other forces driving um, money to the U.S. if, in fact, we get an Evergrande implosion in China or we get a war in Europe. Uh, ex- explain some of those uh, factors when we're trying to figure out, you know, what is happening to the 10-year. Okay, so what's happening with the 10-year and the 30-year is they are starting to drop in the futures price, which means the yield is starting to go up, as right. so is the interest rate. Why would that bring money into the United States? Because we've got the highest interest rate in the world right now, and if we raise it higher, other countries take their money and immediately sell their money and buy U.S. dollars so they could enjoy the higher interest rate because you can't buy U.S. bonds or stocks unless you buy U.S. dollars. So that would drive money into the U.S. Now, you mentioned something a moment ago that was interesting. You talked about that the inflation has been tolerable, I think, were your words. Right. And you're exactly right because we are in the United States If you're watching the U.S. dollar, it's been moving up as rapidly as inflation, meaning we don't really feel it. Right. As an American, you go out to the store, everyone just did their holiday shopping, and I'll bet you they didn't feel like they were squeezed so badly that they've got no money left, because our dollar, we've been blessed, it goes up with inflation right now. Right. So if you are in any other country, you are not being blessed. You are absolutely feeling inflation and the wrath of the dollar moving higher. But if you are using U.S. dollars and you're a U.S. citizen, enjoy the ride. Right now, it's not bad for us. 
Right. I, I think a lot of what we hear on te- television is, is meant to keep you either watching television or get you scared into doing something you probably shouldn't be doing. What, what would you say with, um, I guess, somebody who is uh, wanting to buy a house this year and they need to take money out of the stock market for a down payment? Do you think it's a, a, a wise move, a smart move? Do you think it's better to go to a, a different type of loan? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Here's why. So it's a great question. And uh, I've been doing this for 40-plus years in the depths of Wall Street where you really do learn what's going to happen if a trigger is pulled. No one ever knows what's going to happen in the future, but you do learn what happens if they pull triggers. Right. So the Fed is going to raise rates, and here's how this works. When the Fed first begins to raise interest rates, it makes the stock market adjust lower, while at the same time it gooses, high, high, it gooses higher the price of real estate. And why that would be is real estate, if what they call the, when they first start to raise rates, this is called the get off the couch segment of right. raising interest rates. Right. Now, anyone, maybe like yourself, that's been thinking about buying a house and knows interest rates are 2%, if they think the Fed's going to raise rates, they decide finally it's time to go buy that house. Same thing with businesses if they're looking at a at a property, a commercial property, and they realize interest rates might move, it's better for the shareholders to buy the property before the rate goes higher, or as soon as the rate starts to go higher. So that will actually help real estate for the first three, four, five raises over the next two years will boost real estate. It's a great thing to buy right now. It'll make the stock market adjust opposite of the real estate because... Um, most companies that are listed on the stock market issue monthly bonds, quarterly bonds, whereas they borrow money from you and they promise to pay you back X amount of interest. That interest is always more than the Fed would pay you on bonds, which is why you would bother to buy corporate bonds. Now, if the Fed raises rates, the corporations have to raise their rates that they'll give you to borrow your money monthly, which means it costs them more money, and it makes their stock worth a little bit less. And that's the exact relationship that will take place. Okay, that's an, that, excellent in terms of figuring out exactly what's going to happen in the stock market. Real estate itself has always been a way by which you can protect yourself from uh, too high of an inflation. Do you think we're going to see, because in your scenario here, it looks like real estate prices are going to go up. And I think earlier in the show I was saying that we already have a 77% unaffordability index uh, in this current market compared to 39% last year. Where do you think prices can head? I mean, 20% a year is really unsustainable. You know, what? will probably happen is this, and I mentioned about a year and a half ago I made this a projection. Right. I would say if in the next 10 years, if you do not own some kind of a house, there'll be a million dollars minimum. You'll never be able to afford one if you don't get yourself in in the next 10 years. So you don't and, you don't see a real estate bottom or crash or some kind of uh, downside? Uh, usually comes every so, 10 years as well. You know what? We may have an adjustment at some point, but money okay. is still so cheap, the cheapest interest rates we've ever had. Right. If they raised rates four times, it would go from 2% to 3 Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Nothing. No, you're if right. If they raised it eight <laughs> times, we'd be at 4%. It's nothing. Right. No, it's so, true. It, it, in other words, it'll just continue to fuel real estate. Now, here's where one of our problems lies. The price of copper is through the roof. Yep. The price of lumber is 
through the roof. Yep. And getting supplies and workers to build those new houses are not, it's not as easy as it was two years ago. More of a reason to expect real estate to go higher. They can't build them quick enough. If they can, they've got to charge more for them because of the price of lumber and copper. No, and I, all other raw materials. I, I agree with all that. I wish we had more time. We're up against it. Could you shout out one more time a way by which people can follow you, watch you, learn from you? Ladies and gentlemen, goodbye, Oscar. Thank you very much, Oscar, for coming on the show. I guess you just hit the wrong button. Regardless, Oscar Carboni is a terrific um, guest on the show, been in the business a long time. He's You can look him up. Uh, he, he's had a lot of guest spots on Fox News and a bunch of other national news shows as well as his own particular uh, way by which he does his business. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. We'll be right back. Our show here, The Mortgage Voice, is available whenever you need information, even if you need it right away. To fit your busy schedule, of course, we make it easy to watch or listen to the show. Find our episodes on episodes on demand from our website at themortgagevoice.com. We're also on SoundCloud at The Mortgage Voice, and our Mortgage Minutes and weekly program also available on YouTube podcast form wherever you need it our podcasts including apple and google Podcasts, stitcher spreaker podclips.io spotify and more i'm jeff barton this is the mortgage voice thanks for tuning in welcome back everybody i'm jeff barton hey check out our website at themortgagevoice.com there you can find our latest on-demand episodes on the mortgage voice information about our guests as well as their contact information i know you probably heard the show many times want to know how to get in touch with them Go to themortgagevoice.com. Their profiles are there as well as contact information. You can also read my blog. Keeps up with me updated. Updated the very latest mortgage news. Check it out. Bookmark us. That's themortgagevoice.com. Okay, I'm Jeff Barton. This is The Mortgage Voice. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Thanks for coming to us. We're providing you with a lot of information today. Let's get specific. Loans, what kind of programs, what's available out there. Rising interest rates, a little bit, but still plenty of money out there to lend to you. Uh, with us is Wendy Van Wessel from Kind Lending. Uh, she joins us again. Wendy, how are you? I'm just fine. Thank you very much, Jeff. How about yourself? No, I'm not too bad. Thank you very much. A little stressed. You know the loan business. Uh, never a dull moment. Yep. <laughs> Tell us about what's going on over at Kind. Give us some examples of great programs that you're offering and how people might qualify. I really, really am looking forward to 2022. I think that there's a lot of changes that are going to be going on with the lack of buying the loans, the 10-year bond, the stock market. The rates might inch a little higher, get a little higher there, so maybe refis a little dried up. We're, We're worried about it. Purchases, there's not a whole lot of stock. So we have some other options for the borrowers out there that didn't qualify before that might qualify now. Different ways to qualify. CPA does your taxes one way, and all of a sudden you don't qualify for a loan. So these are called non-QM programs, and they offer you just your W-2 or just a P&L signed by a CPA, a CTEC, or an EA, or just a 1099 form, and that's also called the real estate broker, real estate officer's loan because they tend to write off a lot. So those are offered to you. There's other things for non-owner-occupied property. But there's, there's different things out there now that you can help you qualify for the loan. Okay. 
T- tell me, tell me, g- give me an example of one of these loans, uh, whether that real estate uh, uh, agent loan or uh, something that t- you need to do to bring to you in order to get qualified for a loan like that. If you were a doctor, an attorney, someone that gets paid ten ninety nine, and then you write off a lot of stuff because you don't want to pay a lot in taxes. Okay, it's called a ten ninety nine only. You're going to give us your ten ninety nine to show you show us what kind of income you use, and they have like a a set ten percent that you take off of that for expenses. Okay, but often expenses are more than ten percent. So now all of a sudden your debt to income ratio with the more money that you're showing for income, allows you to get a loan, and you can go to a 50% DTI. Okay, that's excellent. Now, I know what you mean about writing things off, but uh, one, one thing I want to be clear on, 1099 usually means that, you, yes, you get a 1099, but it's not monthly, it's yearly. So what happens if you're in the middle of the year and you need to add up the income that you've made all year? How do you do that? Well, if you're self-employed in 1099, they want to know that you're going to be com- continuing to make money so do if right. you're a real estate person that has properties that you flip and sell do you have some real estate properties still in your name in the llc's that they usually put them in the individual property names do you have some there available to sell in the future if you're an attorney do you have a history of making money with certain clients if you're uh what else are they doctors do they go to certain places and have a continual kind of thing? That's COVID. COVID came into play because, yep. you know, everybody had different work environments and changing the hours and pay. So, so you have to prove that you can continue to make it, but maybe with a bank statement, maybe with uh, clients that you have and letters saying that they're going to continue to okay. use you. So, so basically what you're saying is, that I hear you saying is, KIND can uh, manually underwrite these files and work out the income based on several different factors, whether 1099 is one, but in June you're only going to have the bank statements or deposits you've been making for the last six months, so that they average those out on a monthly and that's your monthly income after your we 1099? Do, we, do, we do just bank statements, too. If you have oh. 12 months worth of bank statements or 24 months worth of bank statements, you can go off of just those. You also have the debt servicing for if you have a non-owner occupied property and your rental income will cover your principal and interest and taxes and insurance payment, then you don't have to prove any other kind of income. So that's a DSCR loan. So those are options for the people out there to continue to get loans that didn't qualify maybe before. Okay, uh, availability of money. There seems to still be a lot of money to be able to be lent, but because housing prices are high and refi rates are obviously going up, um, you're expecting less big business? Is that what you were saying earlier? The, re- the refi, everybody's worried that the re- people refinancing, although they have a lot of equity in yep. their pro- properties right now, right. The, 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 the rates are going to go up maybe uh, 1%, 1.5%. What do you think it'll go up? buy because they're going to stop buying as many loans as they did before Fannie and Freddie. Right. Well, I th- I think that the interest rates, if people are you know who are in the know, whether it be an economist, whether it's uh, Lawrence Yun, who's the uh, chief economist over at the National Association of Realtors, whether it's a couple of these Fed board chairs, they're all thinking you know three and a half to four percent is the height uh, by which we're going to see interest rates on mortgages rise. Um, the ten years obviously going to go up, but. You know, who knows? I don't know. Right, so they're not going to disappear, but there's a lot of people that were out there that wanted to do some things that could not. 
and now they still, with the rates, they're still, I mean, do you remember when they were 15% no, at I'm, one time? No question about it. But, you know, everyone lives in the moment, so they're looking at rates rising a quarter percent. And really, you know, from 3.75 to 4% or 35 to 3.75 is, is absolutely nothing. But because the house prices have really risen so much so fast, the affordability index is really low. So people are squeezing, even though they're probably making a couple hundred grand a year, into something that they can afford, which, you know, in this market could be four, five, six hundred thousand easy. Right. And we also have the, the higher back end debt ratio. We right. have so okay. we have the jumbo loans, we have the, the cemetery seconds, which is a HELOC, which is like a zero percent interest. Uh, a credit card, zero percent credit card you can take out and put back in at uh, interest-only payments for the first 10 years. If you want to do a HELOC, you can utilize that. But look at what our, 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 our loan limits went to. For conventional conforming in L.A., it's $625,000. Yep, for high big. balance, it's 970800 You add a $500,000 HELOC on the back of that, and you got $1.1 and $1.4 million loans. You still have yep. a lot of house for that, I think. Well, I, I agree. I agree 100%. I, you know, we were talking earlier in the show about the debt and the world debt and how much the, the debt in the world is, you know, uh, weighing on lenders who lend out the money. Obviously, there's a lot of lending going on both here in the U.S. and certainly around the world, China, Europe, uh, third world countries, emerging markets. All of this debt, if we see any kind of downturn, either long term because of COVID and the economies never pick up, or if some other disaster, let's say a war in Europe, is really going to affect the ability of lenders to lend money because the risk is going to be higher than what happens to all that debt. And where do foreign investors go when there's uncertainty? They rush to the 10-year and the 30-year, which would drop mortgage rates again. Yep, I that 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 is. Hopefully no wars. No, Hopefully well, no catastrophic events, but you are 100% correct with that's where they go for, to put right. their money to be safe. Right. And and I, when that changes, then we're going to have a different world. But right now, even though, you know, people can argue what economy is the biggest or, or the potential for growth, and I, I just think, you know, uh, if people are still coming to one place that's uh, a safe harbor or, you know, uh, home base for them, uh, it's still the U.S., and it's the U.S. currency, the markets, the equity markets, and certainly the 10-year and the 30-year. Yes, I don't think Bitcoin is that safe yet. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, I'm old, so I, I don't like it, but anybody under 30 years old loves Bitcoin or all the uh, cryptocurrencies. They just do. They just think, you know, this is my Vegas. And, and FYI, we can take cashed-out Bitcoin for down payments. <laughs> nice. I like that, too. Wendy, could you <laughs> shout out to people um, how to get in touch with you at KIND? Uh, we got about a minute sure. left. Sure, sure, sure. My, the Wendy Van Wessel, KIND Lending, Glenn Stern's newer company. He took his best ops people. My number, 818-292-2572. Excellent. Oh. Wendy, that's excellent. And you, you work in Southern California mainly, yes? I do. You are correct. And oh. Nevada shortly. Oh, excellent. Oh, Nevada, too. Well, that's great. Uh, thank you very much, Wendy. I appreciate you coming on the show, as always. You have a great day. Thank you very much. You, too. That's Wendy Van Wessel from Kind Lending. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, 
Jeff Barton. Welcome back to the show. I'm Jeff Barton. This is The Mortgage Voice. Our show is available anytime you need information, even if you need it right away, to fit your busy schedule. Make it easy to watch or listen to the show. Find our episodes on demand from our website at themortgagevoice.com. We're also on SoundCloud at The Mortgage Voice and our Mortgage Mortgage Minute and weekly program always available at YouTube. Go to YouTube. YouTube's great, by the way. Podcast form wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spreaker, PodClips.io, Spotify, and more. We're on a number of just many, many places that you can pick up the show. But always, when you go and pick up the show, click that you like it. Join as a member. Why? Because you get instant alerts as to what's happening in the marketplace, especially from our perspective. And what do we do? Real estate and mortgage. And we've been doing it for almost 10 years on the radio. I'm Jeff Barton, and thanks very much for tuning in. We go to the experts when we want to know specific details, especially about markets. We're talking Southern California today, and certainly in that vein, in the real estate area, uh, Meredith Schlosser, who's been on the show before. Uh, I believe it's Keller Williams. Is that right, uh, Meredith? No, um, thank you again for having having me, and Happy New Year. No, I'm with Berkshire Hathaway. Right I'm now. so sorry. Why did I? It's okay. I, I like Berkshire better anyway. So thank you very much, and oh, thanks for coming yeah. on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Happy Ex- New Year. Happy New Year. Okay, let's get right to it. The market uh, can it sustain? Where is it heading? And uh, affordability? Do you have enough clients to fill the need? I guess you might, but. Yeah, good question. And the, the question I'm answering every day, multiple times a day. I think right now, with inventory being once again at an all-time low, yep. people willing to bid over everybody, give away their firstborn to get a house. Yep. It's unlike anything we've seen, right, in a very, very long time. Um, and people getting extra creative. So as far as the need goes, any listing that we get is getting snapped up, you know, before I can even put it on the MLS sometimes, really, essentially. Wow, that's, you know... <laughs> We always say this, and I've said this for many, many years, about inventory. Inventory will grow and it will shrink, but it's about your ability. Can you afford whatever's available right now? And if you can, is this the best time to uh, buy? My answer today is absolutely. What's your answer? Absolutely. If you can afford it with the rates being where they are, and you have confidence that whatever you're buying will, of course, increase in value over the future, which as we all know real estate does then why not, right? I mean, it's just about getting, as you know, an agent who can fight for you and be aggressive and make you the shining star to win the offer. That's the biggest challenge, I think, for buyers right now is getting an agent that can get to the property. Okay, interesting. So in Oregon, they have eliminated the love letter, right? They've made it law that you cannot, as an agent or a prospective buyer, write a letter that says how great you are, right? Uh, this is my family. These are my kids. I've loved this house since I was you know, one years old. Can't write those anymore. How do you put your clients, especially if you're representing buyers, and, and, and that's another question, buyers or sellers, but if you represent buyers, how do you give them the advantage over somebody else without an ability to at least make them see you more than just numbers on a page? I think it's terms. I think it's being proactive, having the mortgage broker not just write some basic pre-approval, actually just get them underwritten before they even make an offer. Mm -hmm. So they can go aggressive, waive contingencies, be aggressive on inspections, educate them on what inspections they need to do prior to. We book all of our inspectors when we make an offer on a property. I have inspectors already on hold because people are getting so booked out now, yep. the good ones, as you and I both know. When I write an offer, no matter what it is, if I'm going to get that deal or not, my inspectors are already on hold. 
They're on over Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it may be. If I get the deal, great, I'm already lined up. The listing agent knows that. The mortgage broker's calling and saying, hey, I didn't just run credit. I've actually underwritten this file, and I know they can get pre-approved. So I can then waive contingencies, close quicker. We're already five steps ahead of other agents. So that's what I'm going to the listing agent with not doing that BS love letter anymore because we all know that's just, it is what it is. It's great, <laughs> it's cute, whatever, but that's not going to win the buyer the deal. The listing agent, the seller wants to know who is going to give me the least amount of headache, who's going to close, who's going to close on time or early, right? right. That, that's what a listing agent, and, and I, obviously, as you know, I represent both buyers and sellers. That's yep. what I want to know when I'm the listing agent. Who's going to get this deal closed? You know, uh, when we talk about that kind of stress, I'm involved in a number of transactions during the year, and that stress never gets easy, meaning that if, in fact, that doesn't happen, it doesn't close on Mm -hmm. time, or there's an extension Mm -hmm. needed, explaining to Mm -hmm. both buyer and seller what the progress is, how do you deal with it as a real estate agent who has to quarterback the whole thing? Well, I just let the, you know, when I'm representing the buyer, I tell the listing agent, you know, hey... I have ABC inspectors lined up. Look them up. Look up their reputation. You can look at my reputation. I'm, I'm closing deals. I'm not a newbie. Number one. Number two, talked about the mortgage, right, knowing that that's already been handled. And then I say to the listing agent, hey, you know what? If I don't close on X, I'll pay you for deals. I'll pay you X. I'll give your seller a free lease back. It's, it's about what, it, what that seller wants and what's important to them, free lease back. Per diem if we close late. What's going to make me vulnerable and my clients vulnerable if we don't close the deal on time? And then why would they not choose us? Who's offering that, right? Right. Um, we're offering to, you know, we're not to be desperate, but we're, we're trying to make ourselves look appealing, right? Because if they have a deal, you know, as we're offer right now where there's 18 other offers on the property, it's under a oh million boy. bucks, it's in the valley. Yeah. How, why would they choose me? My clients aren't cash. Right. But I can close. I can close faster, just as fast as the cash. So why, why, why are they going to choose me over that cash buyer? Well, the only reason you would go, you know, you're a seller, right? You're looking for the highest price, really, unless there's some right. other issue that you got to close quickly. Um, so. Right. In that, with your buyers, I mean, you know, you can you can do terms and you can do conditions and everything else, eliminate all kinds of contingencies. But at the end of the day, the right. seller wants the most money for their property. And when when yeah. you run up against a situation, either as a seller's agent with that many offers, isn't that what you're looking for? Or, or what else can you um, add to the deal? Of course. Of course. Right. And getting people another thing, Jeff, that I'm doing that sellers love. Uh-huh. As soon as contingencies are removed, I'm getting the three percent initial deposit release to the seller. Oh yeah, they love that. So they they love that. You know, then they're like, "All right, cool, I got you. Let's go." You know, right. and that's something where you know if that buyer is going to close and they really want that property, they're not going to be you know finicky. They're going to get that deposit release. Get their deposit. Thanks very much. That's Meredith. Schlosser from the uh, Meredith Schlosser team at Berkshire Hathaway. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry, and uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. 
Welcome back. Our show is available whenever you need information. If you need it right away to fit your busy schedule, we make it easy to watch or listen to the show. Find our episodes on demand. We are Jeff Barton, The Mortgage Voice, from our website at themortgagevoice.com. We're also on SoundCloud at The Mortgage Voice on our Mortgage Minute weekly programs, always available on YouTube in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts. That's podclips.io for us. We go there all the time including Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podclips.io, as I say, Spotify, and more. I'm Jeff Barton. This is The Mortgage Voice, and thanks very much for tuning into the show. We were talking earlier segment about what's happening in China, how it affects us here, why debt worldwide might affect us so per- <laughs> if assets fall, and they may fall. And what happens to the bank? Would you lend money to somebody who owes trillions of dollars? Probably not, right? So that's what happens when credit freezes. There is an upside to that, as I said earlier, where we might see the interest rates because people are flocking to the Treasury in the 10-year. Um, however, what is the 10-year doing? I'll tell you what it's doing today. The 10-year yield, 1.657. That's up probably 20 basis, 20 basis points over the last week. That's a big jump, by the way. Uh, we are now pressing on the outside of the upper end of what that range has been from uh, – roughly about 1.33 up to 1.7. We're almost at 1.7 now. We're probably going to break through that. Um, the reason is is that inflation and what's happening to the economy, uh, the Fed is obviously ending taper, uh, or not ending, but uh, continuing taper till uh, their stimulus program, QE4 or whatever the heck it is, is ending probably in March, which means that uh, a couple of the board governors, this one guy, uh, the Fed uh, board guy, Kaskari, I think, is he in Denver? Denver, Dallas, one of those two. Uh, he sees two interest rate hikes. We've heard as many as three, what they call the dot plot, when they figure out based on what the minutes are from the Fed uh, Open Market Committee meeting, they, they kind of figure out where interest rates are going. They think three, three times this year, and this rate is obviously the Fed borrowing rate uh, that they you know, lend out to their member banks. But that's going to, if that raises a couple times, taper ends, they're really trying to get a hold of inflation. They don't want that to go any higher than it is. It's been the highest it's ever been. Well, not ever been, but in the last 40 years. And that's a, that's a lot. Most people who are in the economy right now never saw inflation this high. I, of course, being uh, older, I remember inflation at 18 to 21% a year. And that was back during uh, Nixon's last couple of years and Carter's whole administration. Um, Let's see. Okay, let's get to a couple of things with news to use section. Uh, the 30 year, as I said, is 3.35%. The, the 15 is a 2.70. The FHA is a 2.98. We're almost at 3% for FHA. That's that's a pretty much a big benchmark. 3.24 for the jumbo, and that's also come up 10 to 15 basis points. 3.75 for the 51 arm. The 10 year, as I said, is at 1.657. The rates are the highest they've been in nine months. When we got into COVID, we were talking about rates rising. We were talking about rates rising simply because, you know, um, the demand wasn't going to, uh, the demand was going to be higher, and therefore uh, we were going to see rates rise. We were going to see the 10-year rise uh, because they had to attract borrowers, attract investors. Well, that's kind of the way it is right now. It's, it's uh, a good thing. It's a way to slow down the economy. It's a way to cure some of the inflation worries that we have. 
let's see, 4.5 million. This is a problem, by the way. 4.5 million people quit in November, quit their jobs. That's roughly 3% of the workforce. We've had an issue with quit rate probably for the last year, maybe year and a half. People just say, hey, I'm done. I, I can't do it anymore. There's a lot of stress in the marketplace. And, and stress always comes when outside forces affect daily routines. What have we got? Omicron. And that is crushing people. I have two children that have Omicron, so I know exactly what uh, everybody else is feeling out there in the marketplace. Now, as, as an older person, I don't go out that much anyway. I, I come to the studio, I go to the office, and I go home and eat. And that's about it. My wife and I live pretty much a sheltered life. Although, uh, we have been out some, but Omicron will, will just take over for a while, and it really causes stress in the, in the workplace, and therefore people are saying, I'm done, I can't do it anymore, especially people my age, I'm 66, there are people anywhere from 55, who I talked to somebody the other day, said that they were going to retire, a uh, dean of um, some school over at Pepperdine, talking about just, hey, that's it, I'm done, I don't want to do it anymore, and you're wondering, well, you know what, Omicron is really affecting people's psyche, and therefore it or uh, decisions being made uh, that are best for both those people. But stress is real. So if it's out there, I understand it. Uh, Evergrande, ordered to demolish 39 partially built units, and they're $300 million in debt owed. And we talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, the pending home sales down 2.5% from uh, this time in 2021. Uh, pending home sales is an indication of what's going on in the marketplace, but I think it's I think it's really a greater indication of the affordability. What's going on in the marketplace? Home affordability is down 77 percent uh, from this time in 2000. What did I say? 2021. 39 percent uh, affordability index in 20. So we see that. The affordability index at 77%, meaning that 77% of the people who want to buy can't because they can't afford it. A year ago, it was only 39%. So that number has really jumped. And it's jumped because the value of your home, uh, depending on where you live, could have jumped 20%. I mean, the, well, I, was, I was on a uh, call with a, a few people in Nevada, uh, Las Vegas, principally drives that real estate in the entire state, although there are pockets, whether it's Reno or um, uh, the state capital or wherever it is. Oh, they're from some of those other places. But but Vegas properties have gone up on average $100,000 this year. That's unbelievable. You talk about median home price in Las Vegas of upwards to $400,000. During the recession, I could have bought a condo in Vegas for $25,000. My wife talked me out of it because she says it was too expensive. Think about that for a second. That was in, in uh, 2010. That was only 12 years ago. We're now looking at those same condos going for $100,000 $150,000. So within 10 years, it rises four times. It's really remarkable. It's kind of an incredible thing. Um, when we're talking, okay, so the bond buying program viewed the ending and the pros and the march and the inflation are back under control. Okay, the Fed will be forced to raise interest rates at a very much faster pace than the market is now expecting. This would seem to especially be the case considering the negative interest rates currently are an inflation-adjusted time. Okay, so what does that mean? If we're about ready to start raising rates, and the reason why we raise rates is because inflation running at 6.9%, if you have uh, rates at 2.3% or 2.5% or whatever they are, you're losing money. Every year you're losing 3 4%. So that's another reason why when you're looking at interest rates both – you know, whether it's on your credit card, your car loan, your 
uh, any other uh, adjustable rate type of mortgage you may have. Certainly your prices at, at uh, the store, prices for anything. Uh, I don't know if anybody has heard about this company. There's a company out there in the used car business. They are now, um, I guess... They've got 21 offices. They're opening more offices in different cities around the country and in Canada. What they're doing, because the used car market is appreciating so much, they've created a business where they're buying used cars in bulk and turning around and selling them like they're new cars, what they call the, the pre-owned car, right? It's like a brand new car. You're paying, I think the average cost of a new car, not a new car, used car, was $29,000. That's, I mean, just unheard of. I get calls on my 2008 Toyota Highlander wanting to pay me really close to half of what I paid for it. I paid forty-one. I had a $20,000 offer the other day from a dealer. It's, it's really incredible. That's inflation, folks. And unless the interest rates that, that are either being charged by your bank or in... Um, in the 10-year yield or, or treasuries begins to match what inflation is, the government's losing money every year. And you can't continue to lend out money and when you get repaid, lose money to be in business. So that's another reason why you're going to see interest rates and rates overall rise. Again, there's a lot of caveats to that, but that's kind of what's happening. Uh, let's see. What else we got in the business? Oh, yeah, I said that. $700 billion cash demand early in the year for China. That's a big deal, especially if uh, the real estate sector can't bounce back. Listen, I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Really appreciate you listening and coming to the show each and every week. We try to cram a lot in there, and I certainly have enough opinions to, to match what's uh, in terms of information. But the information's real. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. We'll see you next time. Our show here, The Mortgage Voice, is available whenever you need information, even if you need it right away. To fit your busy schedule, of course, we make it easy to watch or listen to the show. Find our episodes on, episodes on demand from our website at themortgagevoice.com. We're also on SoundCloud at The Mortgage Voice, and our Mortgage Minutes and weekly program also available on YouTube podcast form wherever you need it our podcasts including apple and google Podcasts, stitcher spreaker podclips.io spotify and more i'm jeff barton this is the mortgage voice thanks for tuning in you're listening to the mortgage voice with jeff barton for more on today's topic visit www.malibufunding.net